one sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade himself within. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and he fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Still true, isn't it? Yeah. So men today have found the Savior able. They could not conquer passion, lust, and pride. Their broken hearts had left them sad and lonely. Then Jesus comes and dwells himself within. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Thank you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> you know, I've heard that song for since I was a little guy, and it means more the older that I get. Not just because they're singing and playing, but because of the message and what I see God do in people's lives. And he works in lives of all ages. And so, uh, children, I'd like to invite you to come up to the front row. So kids, come on up to the front row here and have a seat because this message is, is for you. Here we go. We got all, everybody, all the children, all the kids up here? Okay, everybody. Scroll on age up to, all right, great, all right, super duper. Okay, and uh, I, I'll be right back. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back.
Did you think I'd come back? Yeah. What? No. You didn't think so? Yeah. How come you thought I'd be back? Guess. You just guessed? Did I tell you I was coming back? Yeah. So I came back, right? Mm-hmm. Guess who? Crazy. What? Crazy. It's crazy. Guess who? <laughs> Didn't know which door I was coming back in, right? Who who else left? Who who left us two thousand years ago and said he was coming God, back? God. God his Jesus. son Jesus left, right? Two thousand years ago he left us. And how do we know he's coming back? Because he, he told us exactly. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So adults, if you would turn to Acts chapter one and and kids, you can go back to your seats to whoever you're sitting with. That was short. It, it was short. <laughs> That's right. It was short. <laughs> Some of us do better to do do better do something really short. Okay. <laughs> and thank you to Anna and our friends. So Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and we look at verses 6 to 11, Acts 1, 6 to 11. And let's, uh, let's stand and let's uh, read these words together. So if you have, it's on the screen. Okay, so read it with me. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we are so grateful for this, your word. Lord, we look forward to you coming back. Lord, you've left us word, and and so, Lord, you've left us your spirit, and you left us your holy word, and Lord, would you speak to us this morning as you promised. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Just before I, just before I speak, I want to mention a few things to you. One, you noticed all the lights in the foyer this, today. I don't know if you noticed, we were, we were losing lights one by one by one. And our brothers from the Arabic church, there were a whole bunch of young men here last night, and they went up on some ladders and replaced all those lights. So anyway, uh, isn't that wonderful? 
So uh, we're grateful for that. And uh, also our kids' class is multiplied, so Dan has been busy over there. And Vicki and others involved multiplying our kids' classes, and so we're, we're grateful for that. I, walk, I walked by one class, and they were laughing, and they said, oh, that's Dan's class, so they're having a good time. <laughs> so anyway, and then today we are, we are talking about the uh, second coming, and you're going to feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth if you compare this week to a couple of weeks from now, because we're, go- we're going to talk, um, talk about the essentials today, and then in a couple of weeks we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some of the details, things that are a little more controversial, but today we focus on this text, and next week, in between, uh, we're going to be talking about how we are an Acts 1-8 family, underlying family, we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, which is the great uh, family, that talk, or passage that talks about the body of Christ. So that's next week, and then we'll come back to the second coming uh, the week after that. So there's a man that I know, now getting on in years, who fled Germany during the Second World War, and he he thought for sure it was the end of the world. Hitler had come to power, the Holocaust was, was beginning, he thought for sure it was the end and that Jesus was coming back. This was a Christian man, he left the country and ended up eventually in the U.S. of A., well, he had good reason to think of that. I can't think of too many times in the world's history when it was worse than that. I would have hated to have been in Germany, especially during that time of history. But there's lots of people that have declared that it's the end of the world or near to it. So I think it was last week when someone said, you know, all the planets are lining up. And sure enough, it's the end of the world. Well, you know, we got through another week, so I'm grateful for that. But it's amazing, every this and that that happens, people say, well, this is it. Some of us remember Y2K. And so the computers weren't going to be able to make it through the millennium, the change in the millennium. And everybody was all upset. They were stockpiling some in churches and all this stuff. Well, you know, it's 17 years later, we made it through that one as well. But you look at now, and we have all of these natural disasters We have political turmoil, global turmoil. Is this the end? Or is this just another false alarm? Well, the Christians in Acts chapter 1 were starting to face what certainly was looking like the end to them. They were being persecuted for their faith. Nero was soon to come to power. The, the, the opposition was rising, and Jesus has just left the planet. The church hasn't begun yet. We see that as we turn the page into chapter 2, and they're asking themselves, well, what do we do now? What, is it, what are we going to do now with Jesus gone? He told us to wait, but how long do we wait, and what are we waiting for? And the church is birthed in the next chapter, and the Spirit is given, and we see the progress of Christianity that God wasn't done yet, that goes from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the way to to Rome, which was the end of the world as they knew it. 
But 2,000 years later, we're still waiting. We're, we're waiting still for Jesus to come back. So we do well to go back to this early word on how to wait for Jesus to return and to make everything right. We, we see what our job is to be in the first few verses of this morning's passage. Our job is to stop asking questions about what is to come. The problem is that we get caught in the details. So I started my Bible school education in 1976, and there was a really popular book about then. Many of you read The Late Great Planet Earth. You remember that? Hal Lindsey. And there were a whole bunch of other books that came out about that time. And I had a class on teaching and learning at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And I had a class project. We had learned that every lesson is to have an application. And so you teach the information and you apply it. And that's, that's what teaching and learning is all about. So I picked as my class project that I was going to take the whole area of, of Bible prophecy. And I was going to take these books. And I had a stack of them like this, four or five books. The Late Great Planet Earth and one by Salem Kerman, Kerbin about, about uh, Guide to Survival or something like that. And one by Charles Ryrie. I don't remember the name of it. And then another one about the beginning of the end. And this big stack books, and they were, they were bestsellers. I, I think Late Great Planet Earth, I think it was on the New York Times bestseller list. And I took them and I said, okay, I'm going to study. I'm going to see what they got to say. And then we'll apply them. We'll see what they say for application. I went through all those books. I think I found one or two lines of application. I thought, something is not right here. <laughs> We're spending all this time gurgling up and down and back and forth. All of this information, all of this stuff, really, frankly, that a lot of it is really not in the Bible. It's like built up off of the Bible, and maybe this means this and that, and locusts mean hel helicopters, and yeah, like we know that. But there's nothing of application here. And we're taught in the scriptures that even the things about the end are to teach us how to live. And to give us a sense of urgency about sharing Christ with others. But the problem is that we get caught up in the details. So let, let's say that we had a fire drill here. Kids in school, you've already, already had fire drills? Some of you had fire drills already? And they tell you to go, they tell you to go to a certain spot in the parking lot, maybe out to the jungle gym or maybe out to the basketball court or wherever it is. Let's say we had a fire drill, we're in a classroom, but we say, wait, I'm not going anywhere. I want to know where the next class is going. Or I want to know where the next class is going. Or what's the principal going to be doing? And what would our teachers tell us? They would say, be quiet and get out there and let the principal worry about the big picture. Let the fire department worry about the big picture. Get out there, do your job, get out to the parking lot. And that's the way that it is with the second coming. The Lord is telling us here, the Lord is saying, don't worry about all the big picture. Just do your job, get out there, and everything will go well. He says, get to work. And what he says our job is, is to give witness to his coming, to give witness to Christ, to his birth and to his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection. 
Now, if you look at the beginning of Acts, and put your finger there in verse 1, and go back to the Gospel of Luke. If you're in Acts, go back to John, go back to Luke, and go to the very beginning of Luke. And I want you to see something very interesting there. You see in verse 3, there's a man that's named there. His name is Theophilus. It's the same name there as in verse 1 of chapter 1 of Acts. And so in Luke chapter 1, he says, I've, there's many that have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us, who were at first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And he said, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. He said, Theophilus, I'm one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus. And so I'm writing all this stuff down so that you will have an account of what happened with Jesus. And we go over to chapter 1 of Acts. And he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus did and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven, about his suffering, about all of these things. And so Theophilus has really a two-part book. Almost everyone agrees. He started with Luke. He gave witness to what he had seen. And now we move on to Acts, and he's coming back to Theophilus, and he's saying, hey, I gave witness, and now the angels are coming to us, or the Lord is coming to us, and he's telling us to do the same. So if we go back to Luke, if we go back to Luke's witness, what was it that he gave in terms of, of his witness to Christ? It was an eyewitness account for him. A couple of weeks ago, I was over in the uh, listen to a doctor. What is it? Listen to a doctor. I got that right. Listen to a doctor class. Okay, which is about Luke and Acts. And I saw the kind of witness that Luke was giving, and it was we were there, we were talking about the early narratives or stories of Jesus when the angels came, not so much to Joseph though they came to Joseph, but they came to Mary. Uh, not so much to Zechariah the priest, but to Elizabeth his wife. In a day when women were not paid attention to, where women weren't given an education. Sorry girls, that's the way it was. But in the story from the very beginning, Luke says that Jesus and the message of Christ came to women. Luke was a doctor. He cared about women and children and people that were in a need. And sure enough, Jesus came and he cared about children as well. He cared about rich people. He cared about poor people. He cared about Jewish people. He cared about Gentiles. He cared about people of, of, of all kinds. And he came to them. There was this joyful good news that had come from heaven. Luke 19.10, a verse that I memorized when I was a kid. The Lord Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. One of the first verses I ever memorized. So think about what happens when someone's lost in town. If you've got a child or someone that's lost, maybe someone that goes wandering off, so we get a search party going. So we, we send bloodhounds out maybe if it's, a, if it's a big deal. Or we send the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts and the police and the firemen and we, and we quadrant people off. We send people off into the woods and they, and they go and they look for clues of where people are. 
until they find that person and bring them home. And that's the way Jesus was with us. Jesus came from heaven to earth, and he went out looking for those who were lost. And he went in every nook and every cranny, and he looked and he looked and he looked until he found us and brought us home. And he's still looking, and he's still still finding people and bringing them home and bringing them to his Father in heaven. And Luke is describing a Jesus like that that was going off and looking for those who were in need of, of, of Christ. And Christ was bringing them home and bringing them to the Father with, for the joyful good news of heaven. And then he talked about a spirit that would come and that spirit was prophesied in Luke and now coming to, coming to bear in, in the book of Acts a, a spirit that would create a new people of God. And that new people of God would then be, be would, would, would come into being throughout all of the world. And Jesus says, now you are to give witness to me. You are to give witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so it's, it's kind of like concentric circles. And so in Jerusalem, where, where they were, where they were centered, the center of their society, and so we, we might think of, well, where's the center of where, where we are? Well, maybe it's York County. And so we are to give witness in York County. And then they went from there to Judea. And so that would be their region. That was their state, so to speak. So we might give witness in the state of Pennsylvania or maybe at least in eastern or, or southeastern or what do we call the central Pennsylvania, wherever we are. North of Maryland, we give witness in this area. And we join with brothers and sisters around this area, sister Alliance churches and sister other churches, wherever we work and we play, and we give witness in this area. And then he says, give witness. Then, then he says, give witness out of your comfort zone. To them, it was Samaria. That was the state or the province just north of them. That was the people that they didn't like hanging out with, the people that they felt uncomfortable with. So as I listen around here, I've been around here, I don't know, six months or so, whatever it is. So I hear people talking about York City. So those are the city folks. And we're, we're not real comfortable in the city in there. So maybe that's our Samaria. Or, boy, I hear about Baltimore. That's a big city over there. Or Philadelphia. Or, I don't know, maybe those people in Maryland or in Virginia. You know, I mean, people that are away from us. But people, Or maybe it's folks like in, in the Arabic church, you know. Or other ethnic groups that we may not be as familiar with, we feel uncomfortable with. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying give witness to those groups as well, wherever they are. But don't just stop there, because he said we go to the end of the earth. And to the Jews, the end of the earth would have been the Roman Empire. It would have been Rome. And so we have a story of Paul going throughout the book of Acts, throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the world as they knew it, he went on a, on a slave ship, on a, on a prisoner ship, all the way to Rome. And many believe that he gave witness there even to the leaders of the Roman Empire itself. But we know that it didn't end there. They couldn't have imagined of it going any farther than that. But the, go the gospel has continued to go throughout the planet. And it's gotten to almost all of the planet. The gospel has went from Rome to Western Europe 
and to the rest of Eastern Europe and to Africa, North Africa, and then to Southern Africa and to Asia and to North and South America and to the Pacific Islands and to China. It's gone all over the globe. It's in almost every place, but not quite. And so what is our job? Our job is to continue to give witness to Christ in all of the world. The founder of our movement said that God has done his part. He sent his son. His son gave his life for ours. His son rose from the grave, sent his spirit to empower us to give witness. But we have our part to do, to bring the king back by giving witness to him. Matthew 24, 14 says it, and it says the same thing in a different way. It says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations, and then the end will come. And so we accelerate the end of time by getting the word out. We accelerate not just the end of time, but we accelerate, we bring, bring on the return of the king by getting the world out to our immediate region and beyond to all of the world, and that's what we are called to do. Not to worry about the details, but to get on with the mission. And when we've done our job, he's made a great promise to us. And so he leaves in verse 9. And it's a surprise to them. They didn't expect him to leave right then. He, he had told them over and over and over, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And then, boom, he was gone. And it was before their very eyes. So we don't know if they blinked. It's like, well, man, where did he go? A lot faster than I could move. <laughs> First Corinthians 15, 52 talks about him coming back in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know how, know how fast a twinkle is, but that's even faster than a blink. Boom, he'll be here with us. Uh, or he left us. And he, he left with a couple of men that showed up that were dressed in white. You know, Anna was up here and talking about, hey, where'd that, where'd that pastor guy go? You know, did he just want to get a drink of water or who knows what he was doing? But they were standing there and saying, this same Jesus is coming back. They explained his departure. They were announcing that he was gone. They said he was coming back. And he left, how? In a cloud. Daniel 7.13 says that one like a son of man was coming. This is the opposite. He would be coming in clouds of heaven. And so here he departs in clouds of heaven. And the angel says, why are you looking up? Why are you looking up, guys? Get to work. Because he's coming back just as he said he would. This same Jesus, the one who was foretold, whose coming was foretold to Mary and Elizabeth, is coming back. This one that was baptized by John the Baptist, that same one is coming back. The one who resisted temptation and lived a perfect life, he's coming back here. The one who called 12 disciples. One by one, 12 ordinary men from all different backgrounds. He'll be back. The one who did miracles in Galilee. Who changed water into wine. The one who healed a man of, of blindness. Uh, the, one, the one who brought a dead man to life. He'll be back here. 
the same one who told parables of the kingdom, the, the parable of the mustard seed, the, the parable of, of, of the wheat growing in the, of the wheat growing in the field. He'll be back with us. The same one that carried, cared for Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, whom he rose from the grave, he'll be back with us. The same one who healed lepers, who cared for children, who, who rode into Jerusalem on a cult, proclaiming his kingship, he'll be back. The one who gave his life for the sheep, for his sheep, He'll be back for his sheep. The one who rose from the grave to show that he was victorious over death and over the devil himself, over all the powers of evil, he'll be back. The one who ascended to heaven, this same Jesus will be back and he'll be back as he left. And Daniel tells us exactly what will happen, what those clouds were all about that he left with. He says in Daniel 7, 13, and 14, he says, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with clouds of heaven. And look at what those clouds mean. Why he came in clouds. Because he, this one, this son of man, approached the ancient of days, and he was led into his presence. He was there with the Father, and he's coming back down now from the Father's presence. And here's what the clouds signify, that this one who's coming back is given all authority and glory and sovereign power, and all nations and peoples of every nation, every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will now pass away, not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never, ever be destroyed. He's coming back. He will be firmly in charge and everything will be made right. And those clouds will signify his strength and his authority. And his promise is that we get to see him. What a wonderful day that will be. And so we don't look to his coming. We look to Jesus. We look for Christ. And so, my friends, let's not argue about the details. Let the, let's get the word out so that others can see him well. He's going to come as he left, and that is enough. So here's the way that Albert Benjamin Simpson put it. He said that the high point in God's purpose, the one from which all others flow or to which they're leading is neither creation nor the coming of Jesus, but it's the future event of Christ's return. It's the consummation of the age. It's this day for which all other days were made. The one event to which all other things are tending. You see, we don't live to build a great church, though we hope we'll have a great church. We do have a great church. We don't live to build a great family or school or business or, or world. We don't live to celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, first of all, though it's wonderful to celebrate his birth. We don't live to celebrate his death. Like we do at Good Friday, though, we celebrate his death. We don't celebrate his, live first of all, 
to celebrate his resurrection like we do at Easter, though we do that with great joy. We live to see Jesus again. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we share him with others. That's why we do Christmas and Easter and Good Friday. That's why we have a church. That's why we send money and, God and people all over the world. It's because he's coming back and he's going to make things right and we want others to know him too. We live to, we live to see Jesus. And we live and we and because we see him, we proclaim him everywhere. And so let's put our hope in Christ. Because we declare his death until he comes. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? And I want to invite those who will be serving communion to come on up to the front. Okay, you guys can come on up. You can have a seat and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we imagine seeing you Lord, this is what we live for. This is what we die for. This is what we look forward to, is seeing you face to face. And we're so grateful, Lord, that when you left, you said you'd come back. And Lord, we trust in you and in your promises. And we're glad that you haven't left us alone. You sent us your spirit to empower us to get your word out. We're so grateful, Lord, that the word came to us and that we can get the word to others. Lord, you've told us to remember you until you return. And so, Lord, would you guide us now as we do that in Jesus' name.